Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and we are back to finish our depth chart preview. Brett, last week we talked about the offense. We had a great interview with Justin McAleese of McAleese Sports, given kind of the numbers breakdown. But yeah, we still got the defense and the special teams to get to. I think this is actually the more interesting conversation of the depth chart, personally. Which is why we're leading with it. We're not like doing any kind of fluff beforehand. We're starting just going right into the depth chart. Let's let's go with the defense. Because you're right, because there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of potential, a lot of new additions, a lot of new faces, guys in different roles, but not a lot of proven production anywhere across the field. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think from from the outsider's perspective, you know, people see Christian Roland Wallace leaving, Jackson Turner leaving, who is, you know, those are maybe two of the best defenders last year on the, on the team. And they assume that this defense will not be as good. Uh from a from a bad defense or maybe the improvement won't be as much as you might hope but you know i'm hopeful as we kind of dive into this that you know there i can talk myself into uh feeling better at least about uh, a number of positions than i have in a long time yeah the, the dichotomy is like you sit there and say wow arizona's defense was really bad last season they lost players from it and it's like they're going to be worse probably not you know, you lose Keon Bars, you lose Christian Ron Walsh, you lose Jackson Turner, you lose Jerry Roberts, and yes, they were key players, important players on a bad defense. Does that mean Arizona can't do better than those guys? No. Does it mean Arizona can't do worse than those guys? Also, no. But if you would have said, hey, let's re-roll the dice. You know, we don't like the hand that we got. Or we, uh, You know, it's like when you're playing poker and you take more cards out. It's like, okay, the hand you had wasn't great. Let's try again. You know, because the worst that can happen is... It's also bad. And what Arizona did in the offseason to upgrade this unit, you know, a year ago was what they did on the offensive side of the ball. Just go and get as many transfers as they can, upgrade that, recruiting or whatever, and it worked. Defense isn't as easy, I think, because it's not like you're a quarterback away from all of a sudden having a good defense. But, you know, we can start in the defensive line, the front seven especially. It's going to be all new from what we've seen. Like maybe Isaiah Ward is a projected starter and one of the ends and he comes back from Western, but Taylor Upshaw transfer, Tyler Manoa transfer, Bill Norton transfer, right? Like they have other guys that played roles last season, young guys, Ty Tai got a transfer, Shio Nafa Gatotoa. Oh, you were doing so good for a second. Was I? Wasn't sure. I mean, I think he did Ty Ty pretty good. Yeah, well, that's a fun one to say. But Jacob Kangaika, Deuce Davis, right? There's players who, some of those guys are familiar names from last season. 
all of them I would expect to see get on the field at times. I know Johnny Nansen said during camp, he's like, he wants guys to play like every couple downs. He wants to rotate guys in and out. But you can see a world where that group isn't bad and possibly is pretty good. Well, and, you know, I want to take a half step back before I really dive into it. And also, I'm just going to prepare everybody because this is going to be a, a, a drinking show with our, our drinking game for every time I say depth. <laughs> because it starts, that, that starts and maybe matters most on the defensive line. Yeah. And like, like, you know, you said that they went out and they added all these guys, the Upshaws, the Nortons, the Manoas, the COs. But I should also, just stick with CO. Not even bother yeah, with and, the last name. Or, or in Patu, you know. Uh, but even beyond that, you know, Arizona's defense improved toward in the last three or four games, and especially along the lines. And that was especially when some of these young guys that you mentioned started to play, like Ty Ty, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, Isaiah Ward saw the field a little bit. Uh, so did Sterling Lane, but they're, you know, they're still young guys. But there's, there's, you know, there's both bottom-up talent, but there is now much physically mature bodies up front and just that kind of beef and size. You know, a guy like Bill Norton, like, I'm not sure he's going to be an all-Pac-12 guy, but he, he wasn't just a guy on the, like, he, he did not start for Georgia, but he saw the field for Georgia's, <laughs> right? So, like, we'll take Georgia's sloppy seconds any day of the week. Oh, my God. That is, that, if, if you've actually seen real snaps, for Georgia's defense, and you want to come to Arizona and play defense, yes. In case you weren't aware, Georgia's defense was pretty good the last couple of seasons. <laughs> yes, and and watch watch them as the Philadelphia Eagles, a.k.a. the Georgia Bulldogs defense, <laughs> wins the Super Bowl. Again. But I think what you're getting at too, Brett, is like size is important, but they have experience size too. Like Bill Norman, 6'6", mm-hmm. listen to that, 6'6", 325, right? That's a, that's a big boy. CEO, 6'3", 330. Um I don't remember how big Manoa. I know Manoa's a big guy. I'm trying to find his now. But, like, those are things, like, they always say you can't, a 6'5", 315 listed at. Like, they say you can't coach size or you can't teach size, and that's true. And just being big doesn't mean you're good. But if you're on the defensive line and you can occupy blockers and you know how to do that because of the experience, that's a change from what Arizona said. They were not big along the defensive line, especially in the Rich Rod days. They were not big up front. You know, mm-hmm. and there's something to be said for just having large bodies. We think about it on the offensive line, yes, but it holds true for defense too. Totally. You know, you said you said just because you're big doesn't mean you're good, but also being small means you almost can't be good on the defensive line. <laughs> it's right? harder. It's a lot harder. It's it, well, it's your your ceiling is is definitely well, like capped. Deuce Davis is not a big defensive lineman, but there is a way to for him to be successful. But it helps when you have bigger defensive tackles eating up blockers that way. Yeah, but then but then you look at uh, a guy like I mentioned, like Isaiah Ward. Like I think I mentioned on the pod and to you in conversation, one of the games I was there, I was seeing him, uh, you know, taking warmups. So like, whoa, who's that guy? Because he just had the, he had the look, yeah. right? And he was had the you know a young um, looking kind of frame that looks very projectable. So I'm really curious to see if he's been able to put on some mass because he's super long, you know, moves really quick, you know, and that's a guy that like. <laughs> He's not a 330 pounder, but he's also not a you know. Deuce Davis is is has his own problems with weight, and that kind of limits his uh you know playing time to be a pass rush specialist, right? right like right. Isaiah Ward, if he can put on some more weight and be that kind of pass rusher, but also be there and be stout enough against the run, be then more you of a have three down defensive line. Yeah, yeah, you you have something there, right? But and, and I think another name we haven't mentioned, but it sounds like he's been injured throughout camp, so I'm not sure is Tia uh, Tio Sabea from uh, I believe yeah. it was the UCLA transfer last year. Um, yeah. Um, you know, if he's out, then that's unfortunate. But you know, we talk about all these guys like Ty Ty 
looked really good in Kangaika last year, and they they're you know they're they're gonna see maybe twenty percent of the snaps combined at most on a well, on a team of four four D linemen out there most of the time. Right. What's, what's nice and it's different than years past, and I is that there's a lot of guys who probably deserve to see the field. They're not going to be yeah. rotating players in just because they need to keep guys fresh. It's because Bill Norton's tired or Manoa's tired or Upshaw's tired. they got to bring someone else. Like, Tai-Tai should play. Kangaika should play. CO should play. You know? Savea should play at times. Oren Patu should play. Deuce Davis, Sterling Lane. Like, they should all see the field at some point, even if it's just for 10, 12 snaps a game, situationally, to give their starters a breather. But what I like about this group is it seems that there's options. And... You talk about Johnny Nance, and we're going to get there's more. This goes for the linebackers and the defense at the secondary too, but the talent level doesn't seem like the excuse anymore. Like, is this a dominant defensive line? I don't think so. And I mean, we don't know. Maybe one of these guys just blows up. You know, Scooby Wright wasn't Scooby Wright until he became Scooby Wright. You know, some of these players like you, they're not super highly recruited or rated, but then they're in the right system, and it's like, wow, that guy gets eight, nine, ten sacks in a season. All of a sudden, they can get pressure. Maybe they have something like that here. Maybe Isaiah Ward is that guy. Right. But otherwise, even if that's not the case, they have bodies, they have talent, they have experience that they didn't have. They haven't had that position before. And, you know, we're talking about the defensive line, which factors into the linebackers, of course, eating up those blockers. But like I liked I mean, every report about Taylor Upshaw has been positive. Right. Mm-hmm. Bill Norton seemed like a really good addition. Manoa. I don't know what people expect because I think he played some offensive line for UCLA too, but he came back, came to Arizona, transferred back or moved back to the defensive line. He's just a big guy. And. It's kind of like we always talk about when Arizona play BYU. And it's like, oh, they're playing about 25-year-olds. Of course, they're going to like, they're a small <laughs> team and they're playing just grown men. These guys aren't 25, 26, but they're grown men in college football. You know, they're seniors. They're upperclassmen who have been through this before. They've gotten good coaching at their other stops and they're coming to Arizona to play and they're going to play a decent amount, and, but they don't have to play 90% of the snaps. They could play... 40% of the snaps, 50% of the snaps, and rotate young bodies in who also deserve a chance. Like I, I like what they have going there. I don't know if it's going to be really good, but I think they're going to be competent on the defensive front. Well, and I mean, I don't even think we've mentioned Keanu Mailoto that was a Juco That's because I can't pronounce life. it. <laughs> well, you may have to learn because like, there's, there's been some reports that he's like pretty good in camp, and same with you know Nick Fernandez. You know, well, that Dominic I can Alessio. pronounce, you know. And yet you didn't. What's your sister, Mr. <laughs> no, Mr. Fernandez? Him I just forgot about. <laughs> well, but but this, I'm I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. jokingly making the point that like Kiana Mailoto probably starts for this defense most of the last five years, right? Yeah, yeah. and he's he's a third string interior lineman. That, and that, that I, I I do think one thing uh, you know Johnny Nance has been saying too, you know, with all this discussion of depth. I mean, he's saying that they don't want anybody to be on the field more than four snaps, and it probably is especially relevant on the defensive line because these guys are, you know, they're not going to go run a marathon, um, and they're there's a lot they're moving a lot of weight around out there, both their own and the guys in front of them, mm-hmm. hopefully. But man, if you can be rotating guys, keeping them fresh, you have guys that can have specialties in terms of pass rush. You can patch together a really substantially improved defensive line i think and if they can help stop the run uh because you know stop me if you've heard this before adam but you know establishing the running and stopping the run is kind of how you win in college football and arizona was and arizona was Maybe. epically bad at it seek see the cal game oh gosh <laughs> um <laughs> you know so like and the the reality is that if you get good play up front 
on pass rush and eating up blockers and maybe even you know make, physically being the ones that stop the run. If nothing else, you're going to open it up for you know some of your tackling machines behind you. Well, perhaps. And, that, and that and that's the point right there because a defensive line, generally speaking, they can be unsung. Like occasionally, you get a defensive lineman, like a defensive tackle, who's just great at getting the quarterback. You know, blows up the line, gets in the backfield. But if they can hold teams to one, two yards on first down on running plays, also you get into third and eight, you know, third and seven, like passing downs, which allows you to bring in your Deuce Davis, allows you to bring mm-hmm. in those pass rushers. You're like, okay, that's your specialty. And you're less worried about it. I mean, there's always going to be third and eight where they run the ball. and that, I mean, those things happen. It's going to be bigger runs. But, yes, to your point, if you have a defensive line that can hold their ground, you know, maybe eat up some blockers, maybe get some penetration in the backfield, that especially frees things up for your linebackers. And that's why you see linebackers, these tackling machines. Like, you don't want your safeties getting a lot of tackles. You want your linebackers doing most of the work there. And that's your Himalays, your Jacob Manus, your Justin Flows, like those guys. And I know, like, Himaly, like, he's – People are projecting him to start over Justin Flo. Now, maybe there's going to be a rotation there. I imagine there will be. Like, Jacob Manu is set. We know that. But those guys, there's some playmakers. There's some athleticism and talent in that linebacker crew to where if they don't have to worry about a guard, you know, in their way, they're going to go get some tackles. They're going to make some plays and maybe get into the backfield themselves. Yeah, I just love the notion of the big guys up front eating the blockers and having Justin Flo get the like free ball, run, yeah. Hit, hit, hit ball, right? Um and I think Jacob Manu is going to, you know, he's he's still short, but it sounds like he's put on some weight. So that probably he makes was him a good last season. Out. I mean, he basically he is, won yeah. the ASU game for them at the end. <laughs> and and I think, I mean, I think Hamuli, Hamuli? I, I don't know. I was hoping you would just go with what I had so it would sound right. <laughs> I don't even remember what you said. Uh, neither do I. I'll probably pronounce it six different ways. I, I try not to listen to you most of the time, Adam. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> um no, but like people forget that he was a fairly, you know, well-rated recruit himself, and before he got dismissed from the team for you know off-the-field stuff, uh, but he's getting a second chance in Arizona. It's looked really good, and you know, from a few years ago, you know, I, I think back, you know, I remember one of the years when we started a, fr- a freshman, true freshman walk-on at linebacker, at middle linebacker, because our depth was so not there, right? Wasn't that and 2020? Now we, I mean, which I think there's more than one year, Adam. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Um, you know, but we have certainly at least three starting caliber guys in those three guys, and I think they have some, you know, clear strengths there. And I think they're going to rack. They're going to be tackle monsters, right? They're going to they're going to pick up a lot if it's going right. You know, Jacob Monuin is going to have 15 tackles every game, right? Yeah. And uh, and and same with and same with the the other guys. But even if you look down the depth chart, two years ago in 2020, true freshman Tay Brown and Leviticus Sua start. Tay Brown has looked apparent. You know, he hasn't wasn't as highly regarded as Sua was coming out of out of high school, who was a you know a consensus four star, I mm-hmm. think. But all reports are Tay Brown looks he he looks like you know he looks like what a linebacker should look like, and he's a true freshman, right? Well, that's the funny thing. Like we even talked about Sua. I remember I've done some radio hits before, and I didn't even mention him. Like, it's, it's easy to forget about him where other seasons, like, yeah, he's a great recruit. Like, that was a big deal that Arizona got him, a four-star linebacker at a position of need, but not desperate need this season, it looks like. And, of course, he wasn't around for spring ball, so he's a little behind there. But, yeah, like, they have starters who, other than Manu, there's a lot of guys in new spots, right, guys who haven't done it at the college level. They were highly rated coming out of high school, but they transferred to Arizona for a reason. But, yeah, 
Like I like what they have at that at linebacker. I like the options because you see. I mean, Justin Flo. I mean, reports have been that he's been great for them. You know, just Himalee's been has been sure. Daniel's been better, maybe. You know, maybe Flo's like first and second down, and Daniel's more of a three down type of guy. They're both going to see the field. I imagine the different packages that Johnny Nansen will throw out there, depending on the opponent and the situation. But one thing that's like I always look at when it comes to defense, especially, is like what is a player's strength? Like what are they good at? You know. Like, do they have, are they just there, or do they have something that they're actually, you know, known for? Justin Flo obviously has a strength, right? He is a hard-hitting, fierce, ferocious linebacker. So you're going to account for him when he's out there. Jacob Manu is going to be in every single play. You account for him out there. And the more players you have that an offense has to worry about in the front seven, you know, that lineman has to see, they have to know where Justin Flo is every down. They have to know where Jacob Manu is every down. That's going to make life a lot easier for everyone else. So... That's the thing I really like about this group is that, yes, there's not a lot of proven production there, but there's a lot of ability, like raw ability. And that counts for something. It's something that Arizona hasn't really had at linebacker too often. Like I remember when they had Tony Fields in college school. Those were good linebackers, two good linebackers. They weren't game changers. But they were good, solid linebackers. These guys this year have the potential to be game changers. Yeah, and I think the other difference is at, when, when Colin Schooler and Tony Fields left, suddenly Arizona had no linebackers worth anything, right? <laughs> um, I mean, that's not the case anymore. I think these guys can be, you know, like you said, you have to account for them. Uh, another guy we haven't even mentioned, uh, uh, Kamuela Kaihue. And you know exactly why I haven't right. mentioned him. Yeah, I, 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 I would like, uh, I think that was maybe right. I don't know. I'm not going to um, disagree with you. <laughs> yes, would you please like to pronounce it correctly <laughs> like i love uh, arizona going for like the samoan like pipeline again but as a podcast host i kind of hate it like it's better for the football it's, it's better for your it's it's, you know. it's better for your columns when you don't have to pronounce it you just have to know how to spell it <laughs> it's still a struggle <laughs> <laughs> no but like he's another guy that uh you know he's a freshman i believe as well that yeah. has looked really good right um so it's you know i'm actually even curious to see if you know they kind of run a the, the the base the base defense is essentially a four two five, but I wonder if there's times where you're going to see three linebackers on the field because you have so. you have some legit options there, right? Um, and and maybe you know maybe sometimes they, they do a three three five look or maybe they do a four three look, especially against on on you know good running teams, right? And the I flexibility think, is important. Well, and that's the thing. There's enough talent and ability and to your point guys that you can put in a chance to be success like a position to succeed in the in this front seven that i don't know if it's going to be you know it's probably not an upper half of the pack 12 front seven but it's probably more it's it's probably more comfortably in the middle than i think the casual observer thinks and if the, if your front seven is good it sets up everything else on the defense because if well, yeah. they're bad nothing else matters yeah if you can stop the run It'll help the pass rush. And if you can get a pass rush, it'll help the secondary. Right? Like, defense is not like hard. that. <laughs> and, like, you can have great corners, but if they're on an island all day and you can't get a pass, they're still going to get beat. It happens. Just like if you have great defensive line, you know, but your linebackers can't tackle for anything, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like it's, it all goes no. together, but you go from, like, the trenches out. But, yeah, I think, again, like, I, if we're going to say that Arizona has proven guys, like, I think Jacob Mine is the most proven of their linebacker group, and he's an undersized linebacker. I think he's great, though. Like He's going to be better this season than he was last year. But he's not the only guy there with potential. 
And this isn't like, oh, what's a three-star recruit who you're hoping will be better than his ratings? Or, oh, you know, he's looked better than he's probably underrated. This is Justin Flo. He was like the best linebacker in the country when he came out. You know, he really was like a four-star or something, a really highly rated linebacker. Yeah. And not every highly rated guy makes good on their potential. We know that. But in an era, like when college football, sometimes about opportunity. It's about getting healthy, staying healthy, and having opportunity and being in the right system. Maybe this is it. You know, and if it is, like in Arizona doesn't have to hit on all these guys. They don't need every one of these linebackers to play well, to be better on defense. If half of them are solid, then they're going to be just fine. You know, if Justin yeah. flows even 80% of what he was supposed to be coming out of high school, Arizona's going to be in really good shape. Same thing with Himaly, right? If that's it, they don't need these guys to, they don't need Justin Flo to be the five-star linebacker. They'll take a three-and-a-half-star linebacker out of him and be much better off than they were. Yep. But again, I go back to you have to account for them when they're in the box. You have to know where Justin Flo is because he's going to be, you know, see ball, get ball type of player. And like, that's something that Arizona hasn't really had, those impact game-changing linebackers. Like when they had Scooby Wright, they had that. You know, they, they've had him in the past, but they haven't had many of them. And they make a big difference. You know, because an oh, offense yeah. has to account for them. They have to gear their protections and everything to them. Have a running back chip that guy maybe or something. And it changes the dynamic of what an offense can do. Well, because I think if you don't account for them, you know, the Arizona football's last play of the season last year was Jacob Mono getting a hit on Borgay and helping cause the interception to seal the game, right? Yeah. And, like, a guy like Justin Flo, like, is he probably going to have some blown coverages at times? It seems like that's where he maybe gets a little lost within the system and just kind of goes rogue. But also, sometimes that results in some game-changing plays where he, you know, drills the quarterback and forces a fumble or, or you know, blows up a running play and forces a fumble, right? Like the Jay and Delore, the defense, like, when he's like he's going to make some plays that no one else can make, but part of, you know, part of the deal is you're going to miss an assignment. You're going to overrun a play. I, I don't know. We haven't watched Justin Flo enough. Okay. It's what we yeah. hear about him and why it hasn't worked or why it didn't work at, at Oregon. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I, okay. I really like that comparison because we might have the two biggest chaos agents, one on the offense, one on the defense, <laughs> and all of the Pac-12. And Flo is they... right now predicted maybe even a backup, too. And it depends on the type of defense they do, right? If it's yeah. a four-two-five, they have three linebackers and who they're facing the situation. I think, you know, the Dutch are going to be a bunch of oars when it comes out next week. Oh, oh yeah. You they're know? all seeing the field. Yeah. And that's the important thing. Like we talked about the defensive line. There's going to be a lot of players who see the field, probably fewer linebackers and defensive linemen, but they're going to see the field because they belong on the field, maybe in certain situations, but they're good enough for those situations. So, yeah, I think overall, I mean, we talked about the front seven here to start, Brett. It's a good front seven, right? It's 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 certainly it's, not a bad one. Like it's, it seems it's solid. Yeah, I think it. I think it's it's what you want a competitive college football team's front seven to look like. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brett, let's take a break, and we come back. We got the secondary and special teams to get to. So we like the front seven. Let's see what the back end of the defense looks like. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. So <laughs> it's funny, Brett. I don't remember how we did this last year, how we felt about the defense, right? It almost sounds like we're saying, like, oh, they're good at this spot. They're good at this spot. You know, they've got good defensive linemen, good linebackers. That sounds like there should be a good defense. And I I know we're not there. It's just, it's hard to hedge and say, well, we don't know if they're going to be that good. But, hey, that's, they're good at this spot. This guy's good. A lot of potential. Nowhere is that more the case, I think, than with the cornerbacks with this team. One of the guys they lost, I mean, they lost – a safety and a corner, Christian Roland Wallace, especially he was like a four-year starter. I like the potential of the cornerbacks. Ephesians Prysock, you know, former four-star recruit, 
big corner, played a little bit towards the end of last season. But can he be a number one guy? Traden Stukes worked his way into from a walk on to a scholarship to a team captain, you know, to being at Media Day. I like him as like a nickel corner. I don't know if there's any one guy I'm totally confident in at the cornerback position. Again, a lot of potential, a lot to like, but not a lot to feel comfortable with. Like Dylan Wyatt, I know, has played a decent amount, or they liked what he's done in camp. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Charles Yates, too, similar. Yeah, I I feel like this is a situation where there's a wide range of outcomes. I think the floor is a little bit higher than it has been maybe in the in the past just because guys like Dylan Wyatt and Charles Yates have looked like competent depth guys. If not even, I think Dylan Wyatt's probably the favorite to start right now, maybe in a battle with Takario Davis. Uh, I think the one, the one uh, corner you should feel probably safest about with the and with the highest upside is Ephesians Prysock. Sure. No, I, I yeah. like his potential, but he just hasn't done it yet. He hasn't been a number one corner. So I, I need to see it before I can feel better about it. Yeah, I mean he this is where hopefully the experience he got a pretty good amount of experience down the stretch last the last half of the of the season. Kind of like with what I, what I talked about with the defensive lineman where the, the defense got a little bit better as the season went along. You know, I mentioned in the last show like I was watching highlights of the old North Dakota State game and you you have guys that not long after that game, we're not seeing the field very often. Um, like Colby Cage, <laughs> like that, he kind of disappeared, mm-hmm. uh, no longer on the roster. Um, and, and I think there's a if you start playing young guys as true freshmen on defense and your defense gets better, to me, that's a really positive sign. I agree. Um, you know, but it's to your point, it's still there's no sure thing here. Uh, I think Traden Stukes might be the most established overall player, but now he's moving inside to the nickel spot, which I actually really like for him because he's you know, he's. Pretty quick, good hitter, pretty balanced guy. Um, probably better straight line speed, I think, than maybe the the hip work, which is why yeah. I think it, it might work a, a little better for him when he's you know probably having to cover tight ends uh, a bit more. Um, and Prysock and Takario Davis are like you know they look like the corners in my Madden franchise mode. I try to get like the six four guys that have long arms and physical freaks that like oh you have speed and agility ratings of this and and you know huge height and wingspan, you know, that can go a long way, especially at a corner spot where you just have to, to some extent, if you're just playing man, you got to guard your guy, right? Well, and this is where the front seven can make a huge difference. Totally. You know, we talked about it. If Arizona can get teams in third and long and get pressure on the quarterback, suddenly your cornerbacks look a lot better. If they have to cover for six, seven, eight seconds a, a down, they're going to get beat. You know, someone's going to get open. That's just the nature of football. But – can Arizona's guys hang with, can they get, you know, good jam at the line of scrimmage? Can they make it on the ball? Can they create turns? I think they had, what, three interceptions all of last season? Like, mm-hmm. and two of them were in the ASU game. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, that's that's not ideal, but that's not entirely on the cornerbacks, and that's what people think. It's a cornerback's job is to be around the football, you know, bat some passes down, try to stay with the receiver. But you get interceptions largely when the quarterback messes up. And the quarterback messes up because he's under pressure. He's hit. Mm-hmm. You know, makes just a bad throw. They don't just make bad throws unless they're Arizona's quarterbacks in 2020. Like, they usually make a <laughs> decent enough throw where it's not going to be intercepted just because it was a bad, you know. Like, you have to force that issue. You have to force the turnover. That's where the front seven can make that difference. By getting them into passing situations, by getting letting your pass rushers get get after them without having to blitz necessarily. But even if you do blitz, it's getting to the quarterback will all of a sudden make Ephesians Prysock look better or make Dylan Wyatt look better, make Stukes look better because I'll have more opportunities to make plays on the football. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a world I can see where by the end of the year saying, hey, you know what? Their cornerback situation was pretty good. 
because there are guys who have potential. Like Dylan Wyatt, a transfer from Cal Poly. He's looked good in camp. Prysock, like you said, I agree. He's a really talented player. Six four, big corner. <laughs> like, really big corner. You know, and Stukes is, you know what you're getting with trade in Stukes. You know, Celestine G7, you know, Takario Davis, the young guys. Martel Irby, who's had a strong camp. I think he's a name to team captain as well. Like, there's, there's not, it's not like it has been. There's more good players or more talented players in this secondary than in years past. I just want to see it. And there's a good chance that some of these guys will step up, that someone with the opportunity will, also like Dylan White, will look good, you know, but I think it comes down more to the pass rush than anything. So, yeah, you know, I, 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 that's I just think kind that's of where I'm at with this group. I think you're right. Um, you know, <laughs> if we're going to, if we're going to wait and hope that an opposing team will be so incompetent that they'll throw interceptions multiple times on screen passes like Arizona did a few years ago, we'll be waiting a while. Oh, um, but I, you know, to your, but also I think there's a real chance, you know, one year hence that we're saying this is one of the position groups I have no questions on. We know who's starting. I feel real good about it. There's good depth. Oh, hundred knows their role. Um, like that's a, that's a very real chance. Uh, but we just we just don't know, and I, I I love that you call it Martel Irby, the guy who was originally recruited uh, pretty heavily by Arizona. I think he might have even been committed at some point at running back, or uh, and then went to UCLA, switched positions, medically retired. Now has come back as a walk on, paying his way. He got named uh, as a as a captain. Yeah, what a story! Supposedly he's just been a, a you know a hell of a leader on the on the field. He's you know got a nose for the football, you know good hitter, just all over the place, and like. You know that that kind of that kind of leadership can actually probably rub off on a lot of these young guys really effectively, mm-hmm. especially as they're trying to believe in themselves. Um, so you know, I I'm cautiously optimistic with this group. I'm not sure they're going to be you know all Pac-12 type players. Anybody uh, at least not this year there, but I it doesn't it doesn't. Uh, I'm not afraid of what we're going to put out there. I'm confident they will have uh, competency from the both the nickel and the corner spots. There will be blown coverages. That's just the sure. nature of college football. But to your point, like, yeah, I mean, somebody can be like, oh, I like the linebacker potential. Some of these guys are just more experienced. Like, Justin Flo has played more college football. Himaly has played more college football than, you know, at this level than Prysock has or Dylan Wyatt has. And that's where I, you know, that's where my difference comes in. But the potential, the talent, I mean, I don't know much about Dylan Wyatt other than that he's been great in camp. You know, same with Charles Yates, right? But, you know, I... I it doesn't have to be a weakness, the cornerbacks. That's for sure. Well, and also, don't undervalue the fact that these guys have been going up against Arizona's awesome receiver room that's every day. Point. Like, it's it's not for nothing that they're having to learn how to deal with guys that are as good as T-Mac and, Jace, and, and Jacob Cowing with a, and MLC. An offense that has that many weapons, yeah. That's a good point. Like, that's... That's that's those are some real practice reps. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk of some guys, you know, trash talking playfully in there and, you know, certain a safety getting burned a lot, which reminds me of games. Uh, but, you know, I think the corner group more than most will really benefit from the reps they're getting against that wide receiver room. I can buy that. I'm on board. Let's move to the safeties. There's a lot more experience. Most at the safety spot. They lose Jackson Turner, but. Gunnar Maldonado has had a good camp, and people are not big fans of him and his tackling, but apparently he's had a really good camp, and Arizona coaches like him. Isaiah Taylor came on strong at the end of last season, had the game-clinching interception against ASU. You have Dalton Johnson. You have Genesis Smith, who was a you know, freshman recruit who everybody thought this guy was under-recruited or underrated and that everyone was trying to poach him you know, from Arizona. He committed his sign with Arizona. It's not a bad group. 
Eh, it's not a good group either. You think? <laughs> I, I I feel like Gunnar Maldonado is the guy you want to be better than he is. Like, he's a hard worker. He seems like a smart player, but I think he has physical limitations that, you know, we've and we've seen that where he was getting targeted, uh, you know, with seam routes, struggles in coverage. I think he's a decent hitter, but he's uh, he's a little undersized, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's going to get blown up. Um, I honestly, I, I think Isaiah Taylor, I, I actually really like him as a player. I think that the difference between him and Jackson Turner, who I think was a solid player, is pretty negligible. And I think Isaiah Taylor's got some pretty good ball hockey type skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for Arizona's defense to make a to make a leap, you probably need Maldonado not to be your starter. And that either means Dalton Johnson or Genesis Smith step up. I think Genesis Smith is clearly the most talented. It's just whether you want to throw a freshman out there and you're going to deal with the freshman mistakes. But but also, the real wild card in the safety group is uh, Dwayne Aquina is temporarily kind of an on-the-field coach and maybe even essentially a co-defensive coordinator. And he is like... He's like the Jim Mahalchik of defensive back coaches. You know, the guy that made that former Arizona offensive line coach that made Oregon State's O line just, you know, a dominant unit. He was great when he was at Arizona. He just he goes in and gets the most out of players. Mm-hmm. Dwayne Aquina, I think, is the anal- analogous player there or a coach there for for the safety group. So if there's somebody that you know, you said, hey, who can we go get to get the most out of this group's natural abilities? He is literally the top of that list. Um, so that's what makes me slightly more optimistic. I'm skeptical of Maldonado. I, I, I'm not anti-Maldonado. I just don't, I just, for Arizona to be their best, I don't think he's the guy that needs to be on the field as much as, as he has been. What I like about this group, or I think is that they don't have to be special. A lot of times, I mean, your safety, it's called safety for a reason. It kind of like the last line of defense, just be in the right place. And that's where someone like Gunnar Maldonado is more effective. He's usually not in the wrong place. Does he make the play? That's the question. But he's where he's supposed to be. And if everything else goes according to plan, that's all you need from these guys. You know, Isaiah Taylor didn't, like, all he did on the interception to clinch it against ASU was be there and make the play on the ball. But it was a linebacker who caused that ball to flutter, right? Like, mm-hmm. other guys are going to make it happen. Just be where you're supposed to be. And that's where blown covers where the safety isn't where they're supposed to be oftentimes. You know, the corner things just help over the top, so they stop short in the zone, and the safety's not there. If Maldonado and Taylor are where they're supposed to be on every single play, then plays will come to them. And they're not going to be responsible for having – they don't have to be like a heat-seeking missile. You know, just be where you're supposed to be. And I think that's why this coaching staff likes Maldonado, because of experience, because of his smarts. You know, does he miss tackles? Yes. I mean, everybody does. But – He's where he's supposed to be, and that's a big part of the battle. Like on defense, you want guy, you want to know where guys are going to be. If they're in their position, more often than not, they're going to make the play. Because if one guy's out of position, then it causes someone else to get out of position. That's how big plays happen. So yeah, I don't, so I, I, yeah. Go ahead. I hear what I hear what you're saying, but I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit. Go for it. Because in modern college football, where you're seeing three and four wide receivers and a lot of seam routes. There's been times the last couple of years, you know, one of the guys that's not in that room any, anymore is Jaden Young, who is another guy that reminds me a lot of Gunnar Maldonado, like really likable, smart, hardworking player, has physical limitations. I've been at those games, uh, you know, in Pullman where hit Maldonado and JY were getting, they, the, the, the team was scheming to expose them. Mm-hmm. And, and a, good, a good prepared team is going to do that. So that's why I'm going to push back a little bit there, because if you have a great weakness, good coaches are going to exploit it every time. I think safety is a tougher weakness to exploit, though. If everything else goes okay, it's a little bit tougher to do that one. That's, Not that it can't happen, 
But you're, if, you're, if your safety's missing tackles, I mean, it, it shouldn't get to your safety. You know, they're there to mostly help over the top yeah. and be where the I – mean, again, like if they're the last line of defense or they miss a tackle, it's a touchdown. I get that. But do I wish this room was more proven and better, had a higher level of talent? Yes. Do I think it has to be an Achilles heel for this defense? No. Yeah, I, I just I think a good team is going to pre-snap motion and read the a quarterback will read and the receiver will read the defense and they'll figure out how to put, you know, Gunnar Maldonado in one-on-one coverage against a, a Jacob Cowing and get beat. And maybe that's where right. we'll see what Nansen does with his defense because there might be an extra corner you could put on the field instead. Yeah, you I know, mean, or possibly. something like these these hybrid roles that you have as guys. You know, they're kind of like a nickel. I mean, I don't know, but that's where the coaching staff can get creative because you kind of want the best guys on the field. Like, yeah, if your safety and that's. That's where I'll accept your premise here that the safeties aren't as great. Like someone like Maldonado, it feels like we're picking on Gunnar Maldonado. You know, watching just have a monster season for Arizona with a defense I mean, I hope, around him. I hope he does. But like if Takario Davis belongs on the field, if Celestine or Martel Irby belong on the field, then it's going to be up to Johnny Nansen to find a way to get them on the field. You know, I mean, maybe you have more than two or three corners. Maybe you have four cornerbacks or five corners out there. You know, it's, it's possible in certain situations that's what they're going to do, and that's what I'm interested in, you know, what they can do. Like someone like Genesis Smith playing well, that's nice. You know, just because someone that they identified early, got in on him, got him to commit, got him to sign, and it's like he seems to be everything that they thought he would be, if not more. And that's all of a sudden the depth that they're building at that spot where, yeah, Maldonado, I imagine this is his last season. He's been around for a little while now. But, you know, Isaiah Taylor's kind of a younger guy. Genesis Smith, Dalton Johnson, younger guys. Like, if they can get those reps this season, you know, maybe they have a little more going into the future. And that's what Arizona's trying to build. But I think, you got something? Well, I was going to say, I think you're going to see some, I think you're going to see a lot of rotation here in the first couple games. Cause I think Genesis Smith is going to be good enough and developable enough by PAC 12 play that he's starting at one of the safety positions. So he's going to be, be Jacob Manu. Like this is Jacob Manu. Just, I, I, I think so. I think so. It's fine with me. And I, and like, you know, maybe he gets a lot of snaps against, you know, NAU and you're rotating guys in with real, real plays. Maybe he gets a few snaps on the road and, at, you know, Mississippi state. Um, and, and then by, you know, come back and he learns from that and you play against Utah. And then I think, I think there's enough snaps in those first three games. And I think the talent disparity between he and the other options, the raw ability is such that they'll probably take a few freshman mistakes just to have him yeah. for the, for the rest of the plays. Well, and that's, that's what I'm interested to see as we kind of wrap up the talk about the defense here is that there's a lot of potential and talent littered throughout that side of the football but it's gonna be up to johnny nansen and that coaching staff to figure out the best way to use it and that's mm-hmm. where people have doubts about johnny nansen and i get it the defense was not good last season the question is how much was him you know a former assistant coach but not a defensive coordinator he's never been the defensive coordinator can he do it and i know like our friend rob bowerman is not a fan of johnny nansen and it's hard to be a fan of him after last season it was bad the question is how much was the talent and how much was the coaching and we'll ideally find out you know, don't know how good this talent's gonna be but it looks like it's upgraded from last season overall so does the defense get better does he get the most out of their defense you know does he have to finally have the linebackers he needs does he have the defensive linemen he needs to run the scheme he truly wants out there maybe but it's a big season for johnny nancy like every year you have to prove yourself but especially this season because the offense is going to be really good again the defense just has to be competent and if they can be competent this is a bull team if the defense holds them back again if the defense is giving up 40 points a game with all the changes they made, Johnny Nansen's probably not coming back next season. What, what to you, uh, to kind of put a bow on this, what, you know, and pick your, your metric, 
like what defines competent and what's the improvement you need to see from Nansen's defense this year to keep him around? I mean, it's how many points you give up, right? I, if I remember, they gave up around like 36 points a game last season, 37 points a game last season on average. If they can get down to like 30, just shave a touchdown off of that. You know, with a few more turnovers created, with a little more pressure on the quarterback, showing something that with a scheme, like I, you need talent. You can be the best coordinator in the world. If the talent isn't any good, it's not going to matter on Saturdays, on game days. But I want to see things that look like guys are in position to succeed. You know, the blitzes are well-timed and well-executed. That, I mean, tackling is fundamentals. Are you coaching the fundamentals? But mostly it's just it's production. It's how many points you're giving up. Are you giving up long drives? At the end of games, when your team, when the Cats have a three-point lead or a four-point lead, like the UCLA game last year, remember how UCLA draw all the way down the field after Arizona kicked the field goal? And it's like they had a couple of shots at the end zone. Don't let that happen. You know, make it be more like the North Dakota State game where it's like, yep, you got the lead and you shut them down. You know, things like that. Mm -hmm. But even early in games, it's just, Getting a couple of stops and letting the offense get that two-score lead, three-score lead. But I think defense, I'm like, like, you know good defense when you see it. You know, offense, like you, have, like, you can have a good scheme and the players just don't execute, which I think was Arizona in 2021 because they just didn't have the quarterback, didn't have the talent. You know good defense when you see it. Yeah, I think, you know, in yards per game and points per game, I think it was Arizona's defense last year was in like the 120s of all, all you know, yeah. There's only what sixty-five power five schools. Like if you're if you're at the bottom of the power five and you're, if you're ranked in the sixties, uh, you are now a average defense. Which with the well above average offense and you know a complete you know the the offense helps inform the defense's success and vice versa. Right and by and the and position they put the other side in the Pac-12. We know that's I mean everybody talking about it, it's a quarterback. So there's a lot of good offenses in this conference. So I'm not like I get it. There's going to be games where Arizona has to win. Like they have to score forty something points to win, and it's not going to be the defense's fault. <laughs> like if they give up forty points to USC, it's going to be hard to be mad at them for that. You know that offense is loaded. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like I get that, but you can tell when it's just there to sieve, and you can tell when it's playing against an elite offense. And I'd rather see the... I'm okay with the latter, not so much the former. And But, we'll see, but I want to see Justin Flo look good. I want to see him really look good. I want to see Manu take a step forward. I want, you know, I want to see the fruits of the offseason turn into something on game days. And I think that's up, to, that's up to Johnny Nansen. He got his guys. This is largely his defense now, players he recruited. You know? So, like, it has to look better. Yeah. And, and I mean... Elijah Rushing's not walking through that door for another year. <laughs> so hopefully they can figure it out. I think part of it is just what we talked about before, Johnny and Anson, not just the scheme in the, you know, X's and O's sense, but also getting the putting guys in a position to be successful, getting the most out of Jake Manu and not trying to ask him to do too much, right? Yeah. Getting the most out of Deuce Davis without, you know, having his weaknesses get exposed. It's it's about a lot of those things. And I think that you have enough pieces around some of those guys that are maybe have some more specialties that you can minimize their weaknesses and exploit their strengths. And I think that's what Johnny Nansen needs to do. Yeah, so now we'll go to everyone's favorite topic, special teams, real quick. Okay. I'm fine with their special teams. Austin Dorp wasn't great last season, but he was solid. Tyler Loop was good. You know, Doug McKellar, you forgot he even existed, which is a good thing. He's a long snapper, by the way. Yeah, I, I have. I'm very confident in both. Well, as confident as you can ever be in college kickers for our our punter and kicker situation. I'm still. I I have a little concern that Tyler Loop seems to have all of the the 
the leg strength, but none of the accuracy when he when he goes beyond forty five. Maybe it's like it's it's like a mental block maybe at this point with him or something about the way he kicks it. And I missed one um, like the scrimmage last weekend. Yeah, it's you know, it's you know, but he's he's pretty automatic from you know forty yards. And right, I'll, I'll take that because I don't expect any college kicker to be better than maybe 50% after 40 yards. If you're making your kicks, I mean, hopefully not kicking a lot of 40 yard or less field goals anyway, mm-hmm. they're getting touchdowns, but like you can't be missing those 33 yarders. Like that's like, you need those. Those need to be guaranteed three points. Anything after that to me is gravy. You know, I'd like to make some 50 yarders and some 45 plus yarders if it comes to it, but that's not my expectation of any kicker in college football. Well, and hopefully there's not even as many, 33 yard field goal attempts because Arizona is going to be a much better red zone team. Mm-hmm. And we're worried about Tyler loop making all of his X points. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, I think that that's, if all goes according to plan, he's not kicking that many short field goals. Uh, but you know, that's, it's still bound to happen. Um, but I feel pretty good about it overall. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also curious, you know, to, to really get into the weeds of special teams. I'm curious to see how all that, that depth on the defensive side translates to just even the coverage teams because like that's an underrated thing a lot of the times um you know elijah's brother cruz rushing i think is going to be a, a prominent guy if he doesn't see snaps on defense i think he's going to be a, a potential special teams ace uh and maybe work his way into into some you know some some regular defense like snaps. a gunner role maybe like punting yeah. could be huge for this team because if you can pin them back if austin or needs to it'd be nice for him to have a good season like a, i don't say bounce back because he wasn't bad last season but he wasn't as good as he was the year before but pinning guys inside the 10-yard line, punts inside that way, and give your defense a really good chance, you know? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Of, I'm trying to remember the um, – how did it get there? Against Cal, you were at the game when Arizona beat them two years ago for their one win. Like Cal's last drive started deep in their territory. I don't remember – I don't think it was a punt because Arizona got on a touchdown. But when you can have your defense start in super-plus territory, right? When their oh, yeah. team's like first and 10 from the five, like all of a sudden – things get a little bit different, and they have the type of players who can maybe wreak some havoc and make plays. That's where someone like Austin Dorp and the coverage team comes in, is when Arizona does have to punt, assuming Arizona's not going three and out, they're going to be punting from the 30-something, 40-yard line maybe, their side. That's a good opportunity to put your defense in a good spot. Yeah, gosh, you just you get you get my brain thinking to a scenario where you pin them at the one or two yard line, and they have to you know they're going to run the ball to try to get some space, and that's where you throw a Jacob Manu out there and be like, see ball, get ball, mm-hmm. and you're going to you might get some safeties out of that situation, right? Uh, but even just making them earn it, you know, and and in, in terms of you got to get more than a couple first downs and 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 win mm-hmm. the field position battle is going to go a long way. The other, thing, I'm actually really intrigued to see what we get coming out of camp is who's going to be the return guys. Yeah. You know, it's, it sounds like one of the one of the aspects, I guess, for lack of a better term, of why Jacob Cowan came back was that they were going to let him re- uh, return some kicks to try to show show more to NFL scouts, which I'm okay. I'm personally okay with it if it's on the punts, the punt return, because I think even just the ability to catch a punt and having a guy you trust back there uh, and it's, you know, half-time fair catches, I'm okay with Cowan being back there. I don't like it as much on kickoffs where it's just you're a little more exposed to injury and I'd probably want to go with like a you know speedy Luke or a G seven or something like that. Um I mean, how many I kickoffs guess... get returned anyway? Like you need someone to be smart enough about that. Yeah, but you know, I I, I feel like Speedy Luke is just the guy you want on a kickoff though for when he does return one. You know, it's it's basically like uh, the movie Forrest Gump where one guy catches the ball, hands it to Forrest, and says, run. Like, I'm surprised you, there isn't more talk about him being like the kicker turn. I'm not because of like, the beating he might take doing it 
and you kind of want him to be one of your specialists too. But I get what you're saying with Cowing. Like, I think there's a time and a place for him to return a punt, probably a time and a place for him to return a kick, but it's not every one of them. But if he's a sure-handed punt returner, then yeah, put him out there, he'll fair catch things, and that's that. You know. But I get why you wouldn't want him out there all the time in those plays. But then again, a good punt return, a good kick return, they're game-changing. You know, they're they're not nothing. Like if you muff a punt, like that's a big deal. <laughs> that that that's that's mm-hmm. really bad. So what Arizona does, and I imagine they have options, and they'll probably rotate some guys in and out. But if it's a super important return late in a game, it's probably going to be Jacob Cowing, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, and at, and at some point, you know, injuries are part of the game, and like you know, you need to, if if you're, if you if you're if you're playing to win the game. As a as a wise man once said, mm. uh, you know, why would you not put you know your best guy out there and let them make plays for you, mm-hmm. right? You know, Deion Sanders was used to be you know one of the top cover corners, but he was always back there doing punt returns because he had you know that ability to change the game. Patrick Peterson, when he was younger, mm-hmm. same thing. Then they pulled him off of that uh, eventually, but like you know, you kind of you know to to. to to turn a phrase, smoke them if you got them. And we, they've got some guys that have speed that can smoke the defense. You want your best players game. to have their hands on the ball, especially yeah. in key moments. Like you put the S- ball in your best player's hands. It's not that difficult. You don't, out- you don't outthink yourself, you know, but <laughs> nothing but the best from Wildcat Radio 2.0. That's what we're here for. But let's take one more break. When we come back, more stuff happened with Arizona Athletics in the last week. Let's talk about it. Welcome back. Wildcat Radio 2.0. So, yeah. I mean, we, we went with the big stuff to start the show, Brett, but that doesn't mean that's the only things that happened with Arizona Wildcats athletics, of course. We can start with some of the fun stuff. Uh, Arizona announced their military appreciation uniforms that they're going to wear against Utah. They did a couple of years ago. I remember they had a, an appreciation uniform against Utah, and it was okay. I mean, I'm not a fan of this one. I, I'm, I'm of two minds about it. I'm curious to see how it looks when they're on the field. I'm generally not a fan of... The, the 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 old one the old military appreciation was like the USS Arizona themed thing they were which, Hawaii that one time and it was great yeah which those those were cool um I'm I'm just I'm not a fan of the digital camo thing was <laughs> um, oh, so it USS Hawaii one or the USS Arizona it was you it, it, it was for Pearl Harbor USS yeah. Arizona yeah 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 oh. um so, you know I we'll we'll see how it looks on the field you know it makes them the, the you know, it'll make me like the uniforms more <laughs> if they beat Utah in them. <laughs> That's fair. And it's all fun stuff, right? Like, I think the challenge is like now Arizona's uniforms are actually good. Like their base uniforms. So it's like, oh, I don't want to mess with that. I, those are good uniforms. Why why change it? You know? But that happens. Um what else, Brett? What else? Like Jason Harris. J- Jalen, Jason. Which Harris? Jason. Jason. Jason Harris. Jalen's with the Bears right now, I think. Jason Harris left the team. That's a bummer. Yeah, it's it it sucks, but also I think it's you know to the point of our conversation of talking about the depth on the defensive line. A former four-star guy just wasn't breaking the rotation, and yeah. so you know I I think all parties would love if he was good enough to be the starting defensive end and all Pac-12 for Arizona, but that is not the world in which we live, and he's going to move on, and you know hopefully he'll he'll find success wherever he lands next. Certainly. Um, was announced men's basketball will be in the battle for Atlantis in 2024, which is good because the last time they played in that tournament, things went swimmingly. Mm-hmm. And that, that's exactly how I remember it. And then the rest of that season was perfect. Awesome. 
2017 season, perfect, no notes. <laughs> it, it is a good tournament, obviously. The field is, you know, Arizona, Gonzaga, Indiana, Louisville, Creighton, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Davidson. I mean, I guess West Virginia will be a conference foe at that point in the Big 12. <laughs> An Arizona-Gonzaga matchup would be kind of fun if it comes to it. I imagine it would be pretty down the road in that tournament. And you know, Tommy Lloyd versus Mark Few, I'm here for it if it happens. But that should be a fun tournament. Is is uh is this where Kirk Carissa can still be there and with all the various uh, eligibility rules? I think so. Going to be playing, and I hope oh, he is. Uh, it's gonna be that'll be it'll be a fun time. Hopefully, <laughs> of course. The last time we're, I mean, Arizona went zero and three with the DeAndre Ayton team. It was bad. <laughs> they like ended the tournament like number two in the country and lost all three games. <laughs> well, you know, DeAndre Ayton was just playing in the in the. Uh, wasn't he just playing in the Bahamas or some international thing? Yeah, and he was really good. All of a sudden, you know, it just take a, take, takes people a few years to, to reach their potential. <laughs> Six years later, he finally. <laughs> <laughs> well, people uh, forget with DeAndre Ayton that, like. He was young and, like, well, fairly good I mean, at basketball. It's funny. Like, I know it's a different game now, but, like, people forget that Shaquille O'Neal was the number one pick, and he had played in college for three years at that point. And, yeah. and still, he didn't even reach his peak in the NBA for another couple of years, right? Yeah, like that's it's, true. it's, it, and now I think DeAndre Ayton is like the age that Shaq was when he was actually like the dominant player he he aspired to be, right? So we'll see. Give people some time. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I'm on Team DeAndre Ayton. Uh, soccer has started, so that's cool. Um, see what Becky Morose can do with her team this season. I know that was not quite what they wanted last year, but you know, usually Arizona soccer is a pretty solid program. So hopefully they can get some things done this season. Um, what else we got, Brett? Oh, just a small fun thing from the, the to wrap up the international trip. It was really cool to see Steve Kerr there and speaking to the basketball team. And like, you know, his father was assassinated in that country and to be there and speak to the team. And like, there's a lot of layers of wildcat lore and just emotionality there i think that was kind of cool to see and, and, and just cool to see steve kerr supporting the team um and kind of being recognized while there i know he was the guy people like well if arizona needed a coach how's steve kerr do it and like he's he's got a good job as it is but great wildcat great guy to have as part of the program and still you know yeah when you get he's won championships as a player won championships as a coach like pretty recognizable guy smart guy too like to have him be able to talk to the team, that's just a cool thing about being Arizona. Like the amount of alums you have, I saw there was like a ranking or something on on X. It was like you know, describe a program in the program in three words. I think Arizona's like NBA factory. Like yeah, okay, not a bad thing to be known as. You that's know? that's that's two words or or four if you break out NBA. Yeah. <laughs> Quite taken though. Yeah. Oh, I think we're, I think we're about reaching that time, Adam. Yeah, I think we are. Um, we appreciate everybody listening, of course, as we finished our death chart preview. Next week, we're getting into NAU preview, like the actual and the season as a whole. Um, yeah, it's gonna be an exciting football season, I think. Like the first one with actual some level of stakes, I think, going into it. You know, where we have expectations of moderate success. First time in a while. <laughs> yeah, we. I think for for the. For the people that are not the hardcore Arizona fans that maybe are listening to the show, you know, we're grading ourselves on a curve here, you know, 
six and six, seven and five is Arizona's good, guys. Yeah, like, this is this is great. Six and six, seven and five. They're already making commissioning the statue for Jed Fish. So, as know. they should. You know, I, I ran into an ASU fan last week, and it was funny. You know, he's like, you know, I'm leaving the Big Two. He's like, yeah, no, Arizona's still never going to a Rose Bowl. I'm like, you know what's going to happen is this year Arizona's going to make the college football playoff, not be in the Rose Bowl game because that's one of the playoff games this season, be on the other side, and then win a national championship having yet to play in the Rose Bowl. And ASU fans will say, like, well, you never made it to the Rose Bowl. He's like, we absolutely would do that. <laughs> I'm like, I know. Like, Arizona could win a national championship, not go to the Rose Bowl. I'd be like, ha you still never did it. But, you know. That's not the expectation. Don't worry. I don't think Arizona's going to win a national championship this season. But, yeah, six but wins, seven you, wins would be great. But you're hopeful. I mean, right now it's possible, right? But, yeah, so next week we'll get into more of our season preview. We'll talk about the NAU game, which <sighs> is a revenge game. We're, we're coming for you, Lumberjacks. <laughs> oh, that one still hurts. But we appreciate you all listening. Of course, you can find us on iTunes, on Spotify. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. We will read that review on the air. I don't think we have any new ones this week, Brett. You should uh, get excited. We do not. That's okay. I, I, I did check. There's nothing new. But leave those reviews for us, and we will read them to you all. Of course, you can find us on X at Wildcat Radio AZ. I think we're getting close to having a Threads account. I feel like that's coming soon. I've, so. I've made some progress, but Threads is... The tech is not quite there to make it easy to have multiple accounts to manage, so that's really uh Come on, Zuckerberg. I don't, I don't I don't want to have to log completely log out and log back in every time I switch between No one you know, cares about your personal. excuses, Brett. Just saying. We're getting close. So be on the lookout for a threads account. If you still use threads <laughs> after the last month and a half, be on the lookout. We might have an account there soon. But yeah, next Indeed. week, NAU. Football season preview. It's gonna be fun. But until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.